0: Backseat musical Podcast. In the summer of 2020, I interviewed Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols. We talked about a bunch of stuff. We talked about being in the Sex Pistols. We talked about not being in the Sex Pistols. We talked about what was fact and what was fiction. Because when it comes to Glenn Matlock, there's been an awful lot of fiction. For example, the story used to be that Glenn was tossed out of the Sex Pistols for listening to The Beatles. Then the story somehow turned into Glenn getting fired for listening to The Eagles. The truth is, he wasn't tossed out of the Sex Pistols at all. He quit on his own. Why? Because being a member of the Sex Pistols kind of sucked. Great band, pretty important too— But when you were actually in it at the age of 21 and you're being exploited and dragged through the savagery of the British press and you've been dropped by two record companies and the gigs are being canceled and you've pissed off the queen, maybe leaving the Sex Pistols wasn't such a crazy idea. The Damned and Iggy Pop and Sylvain Sylvain from the New York Dolls. He's played with Primal Scream. He was also in a band called The Rich Kids with Midge Ure, the other guy responsible for creating Live Aid and Band-Aid back in the 80s. And in 2022, he joined Blondie on tour and is currently recording with the band as well. Simultaneously, Glenn Matlock has just released another outstanding new solo record called Consequences Coming, featuring Clem Burke of Blondie and legendary guitar player Earl Slick. We talk about that, the late Vivian Westwood, and all about the Danny Boyle miniseries about the Sex Pistols and the lawsuit that came with it. This is my conversation with Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols on Baxy's Musical Podcast. Hey, Glenn, how are you? I had problems finding the link, brother. It's quite all right. It's good to, good to see you.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. We talked over the phone uh, around uh, the summer of 2020, and uh, we spoke in real general terms about this, about the album that you just released. Uh, at that point, I don't even think it had a title yet, but Consequences Coming is absolutely fantastic. I love Head on a Stick. What a great, great song that is.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. It's been a slow train coming, but it's all right.
0: <laughs> it's kind of nice to hear, and it probably isn't uh, so much for you, but it's kind of nice to hear an angry Glenn Matlock uh, for a change.
1: I don't know if I'm angry, I'm alright. I, like, I do like that expression that um, revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> and, and I think that's kind of the sort of the flavor of my album with some of the, the sniping that I'm doing lyrically in it. But, you know, I don't. I didn't try and make too po-faced a the, the record. I'm trying to got a way of expressing myself that's a bit tongue-in-cheek sometimes. Right.
0: I uh, I was reading some other uh, interviews you had done, and you know specifically one of the things that uh, that you're very passionate about is Brexit and how that's specifically affected how this affected musicians in the UK. A- a- explain what Brexit has done to musicians over there.
1: Well, what it's done is is cut the United Kingdom, off from Europe. We were part of the European Union fam- family, and we could come and go as we liked. Work, trade, fall in love, live there, and now we can't.
0: So as far as the restrictions go, is it, is it a matter of visas? Is it a matter of waiting, or just more economically it's a matter, difficult?
1: matter of visas. It's a matter of having a carnet if you want to take instruments and trucks and stuff the back line and you're only allowed to stay there now 90 days out of 180 which sounds like a lot but before you didn't need any of that and it's it's become a whole obstacle and it's put up barriers to trade and it's put up barriers to trade with the car industry who now all want to get kind of electrified and have you know, like Tesla's, I've got a Tesla built. there's like Jaguars making one, but they get their batteries from Europe. And if they get them from Europe and put them in a car here and then try and sell that car back to Europe, it then becomes subject to all these these trade barriers that weren't there before that our government have voted for. And they can't understand why Europe are annoyed with us. Above and beyond that, it was a way of kind of hoodwinking the country, the populace of the country, to suddenly be, swerve and become far more right wing. It's like Trump with his war well, with Mexico. It was just a whole thing to kind of make you feel, I don't know, kind of insular somehow, or, you know, the, the bad is of the foreigners. Well,
0: I was going to say, it, it sounds not too dissimilar what goes on here in the States, because, you know, while many people were convinced of rhetoric of one way or another, whether Brexit was going to be a good idea or a disaster we here in the States kind of get the same kind of thing. You just, you just don't know who to believe. Do you believe the government that's in place? Do you believe the media? And, you know, voters and citizens are kind of left at a loss. Like, well, what's true? What's uh, what's bullshit? It's, it's somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, well, you know, one thing I've learned in life is you just got to constantly read between the lines and see who's got a vested interest about this, that, and the other. You know, and I don't pretend to know all about American politics and I don't know that I should be putting my finger in not your guy's pie kind of thing <laughs> but I do know that there's certain people in this world that if you're sitting in a bar and somebody like Trump walked in you just think he's a right wrong on that guy yeah right yeah you know, and you've got no part of it and you probably either say something or you just get up quietly get your coat finish your drink and go to the bathroom <laughs> that you don't want to be tainted right,
0: you know? right. You uh, you mentioned that this was uh, that the album was a slow train coming. You know, you've kind of been dealing with a lot of issues with getting this record out. One, I mean, there's there's COVID in the middle of it, but then also you, you've also got very very busy along the way too. And uh, some of it's great, some of it not so great. Tell me about what stood in the way of getting this thing out uh, in in a timely fashion beyond COVID.
1: Oh, you have just been an older. Kind of musician who's not particularly got a great track or record of being a solo artist in his own right, and getting the <laughs> right kind of backing. You know, everybody wants to pigeonhole you and you're the bloke who used to be in the Sex Pistols. Well, that's fine. I was. But I refuse to be just that guy.
0: And I think that shows because there's a certain level of respect when, for example, the folks from Blondie want you to, to join uh, you know on their tour. I mean,
1: in a way, that's put me backwards a little bit. You know, in Blondie, I'm the bass player. And I enjoy playing the bass, and I like playing bass when somebody else is singing. But what my real call in life is, is this album that I've made. You know, And I'm just trying to, you know, with the help of guys like you, showing some interest in it.
0: But you're Um, more than just the bass player on this record. Obviously, you're doing vocals, but also guitar
1: too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not even really playing bass on it. The guy who plays bass on most of the album is norman Watrow from the blockheads you know so i, I feel I, I don't know i know you've got soccer in in america a lot more than you used to have but if you watch a center forward or a striker in the football in a english football game or maybe even an american football you know somebody else has got the ball but the guy at the front who's got to score the goal he's kind of pointing to where he wants the ball to go so he can make the most of it now if you're a bass player in a band and you're doing a show right but you're the singer and then you want everybody to clap along and you over there do that and you're playing the bass you can't stop playing you can't do <laughs> none of that. So, but when a guitar you can go blam and you at the back there you do that blam. so it's to do with showmanship as well <laughs> and, and and anyway you know i always started out as a rhythm guitar player i don't pretend to be a lead guitarist i think yeah. it's a bit if you want somebody to do some fine carpentry at your house you might be able to bang a nail in the wall and put a picture up but you know if you want a cabinet making, you get a guy in to do it well <laughs> i get a good lead guitarist in and i've been fortunate i've had people like Elf Slick playing with me you know
0: yeah i was i, mean, I was going to ask you about that i mean you, you want to talk about a guy who's got a resume that's just pure gold i mean what a, what an amazing career he's had and yeah. he's and it sounds great on this record too like like you would expect him to be
1: yeah but i i think you know we had a uh, this symbiotic relationship and then i've given him a chance to how long have you been Earl? maybe about 12 years now i did a session with clem and this other guy keenan dufty in the states and Clem was in on the session i met him he was learning one of the songs and he said what keys it in then the guy said oh it's in b so he got his capo out right i yep. said you put it on for that and he said, yeah. I said, that's cheating. He said, you're to be like that. <laughs> and I said, yes, I am going to be like that, so you better start getting used to
0: it. And we got on fine, you know. So, so, as, far, so. as far as Clem goes, I mean, you know, he's been playing with, uh, with Blondie for, forever and played with a lot of other people too. When, how did you uh, get to know him?
1: I met him Donkeys years ago in, in London. I think he came down with the rest of Blondie to see when I did a one-off gig with Sid Vicious, the, the Vicious White Kids. And he was there, and I met him. And we kind of kept in touch. He had an idea for doing another band with me and Paul Weller and Woody from the Bass City Rollers. I don't know what was going through his mind, but <laughs> anyway, we kept in touch and we done loads of different pieces of work over the year. And kind of just over a year ago, he called me up and said um, it wasn't working out for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't really know, and I'm not going to go into it anyway, but with a bass player that I had had, and they was trying to fulfil the tour that they should have done two or three years ago but couldn't because of lockdown. And they needed a base player and they said, Will you come and do it? And I said, Well, in a couple of months, he said, No, next week. And I was like, Ah <laughs> I thought, you know what, I fancy doing it. I'm glad I'm glad I have done it. I really love playing with them. They yeah. got a great bunch of work, nice guys, you know, Debbie's fantastic. And they got a real kind of Greenwich Village kind of call cool about them, somehow. They're interesting, you know. And do you know what we did Coachella three weeks ago? And the next thing, Neil Rogers is getting up with us, you know.
0: Yeah. Do you like going to the, those festivals, or is that a, a, a lot of a lot of
1: headache for you? I don't mind playing at them, basically, because you have, get your own toilet.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's true. Because I mean, you know, uh, over the weekend, the uh, the Cruel World Festival happened in Pasadena, California.
1: Well, we did that last year.
0: Yeah. We blocked. Well, a a portion of the of the of that show was rained out. So Susie, who hadn't played in the U.S. in 15 years, got rained out. Iggy Pop got partially rained out, and they wound up rescheduling that part with uh, Susie, Iggy, and uh, Gary Newman last night. So they finally they finally finished that.
1: But what a! Yeah, Yeah, it's it's just happens with outdoor (laughs) festival. I will tell you what, I, I, I. I've only been back from LA two weeks and not long before I came back, a couple of days, I went to see Iggy play Palladium and it was fantastic, yeah. really. Andy finished up the set for an encore. He did, um, you know, the Rose Bowl or whatever they played, but he, at the Palladium, he finished up with Walk on the Wild Side and it was great and he sat on the edge of the stage and he meant it when he sang it. Yeah. It was really cool and that was probably the last thing, song I would have expected him to do, you know. And Chad... Was playing drums who i actually met in mexico He at the same hotel it was blondie went in mexico city and i think they've been doing a chili peppers gig somewhere so it was really cool chad because it was sort of, it was dusk and there was a big garden in the hotel and i sort of half recognized him when i went flee i thought he was fighting <laughs> but he wasn't it's only so you're playing didn't you and i just said yeah but he didn't come and go and he was cool yeah
0: this has been kind of a weird year for, for you guys and, and the rest of the Sex Pistols. I, I know you've been very vocal about what you felt about the uh, the Danny Boyle series that came out and you know, particularly how they portrayed you and, and your exit there. Then you know, there's lawsuits to contend with. Where do you think that whole thing went wrong? I don't think
1: Paul was over and I I just think it's one of those things like Hollywood has an idea of what rock and roll is and it's nowhere near the... Nowhere near the truth, really. And there's bits in it. You know what? I went to see um, the Elvis movie, which I kind of enjoyed, but how true it is, I don't know. But there's a bit in it, you know, where Elvis is making his breakthrough, and somebody says, Who's this guy that they're all going on about? And one person says, Oh, he plays black rhythm and bruise. And another guy goes, Coupled with white country and western, right? And it's like a real device, and you can see it coming. And in the Danny Boyle thing, you could see all these things coming. You know, I was disappointed that it could have been so good and it wasn't. I thought it was important that it was made because it was based on Steve's book, and Steve was the guy that formed the band. You know, so.
0: I think the thing that some people had a problem with is that it did kind of come off in kind of like a almost like a cartoon in some ways, where they're telling a story. It may be fictionalized in in parts, and and some of it just seemed to be. You know, almost uh, just not believable, and I and I'm sure it's a very different. It, it had to be very, very different, especially in the beginning, than what you saw. Were there parts of it that you thought he had right? No, really, no.
1: <laughs> Maybe stuff that I can't comment on is, is Steve's upbringing. You know, and his, yeah. his, his, uh, his um, relationship with his stepfather, and I don't know. You know, and we've never really spoken that much about it and I doubt Steve particularly wants to and I respect that it's just Steve said to me he said what do you think I said mate you got a shocking memory <laughs> <laughs> and we went for this that and the other but I don't want to make a big deal about it I think it's been and gone you know I just sort of supposedly like the Beatles too much it's not true but I think you know if he'd made a movie like Our Day's Night which is kind of shot in a very cinema verite kind of way, but it's wacky and it's deliberately surreal. A bit more honest than something that's a partial kind of truth. And you don't really know where to, you know, nobody really thinks that Paul McCartney's granddad would come to the London on the train with them from Liverpool and go around chatting up all the girls and they'd all be saying, our cleaning, you know, you <laughs> see, it's, it's just ridiculous, but it kind of works. The Danny Boyle thing—I just thought it was a bit lazy, to be honest.
0: Yeah, leading up to it, obviously there was a there was a good deal of uh, of legal issues between the three of you and and John Lyden trying to figure out the licensing of the music and and I know it got really ugly and 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 it put you all kind of in a tough spot. Where are you guys now with this? I mean, do you still talk to them, or is it just is it just
1: a two? Oh, I, I spoke to Stephen Poole. John my number, but he, I can't remember the last time he called me up. And I think maybe when he called me up, possibly the last time, which was probably about twenty five years ago. Yeah. He wasn't he called me up, he got his kind of gopher to do it, you know, so
0: one of the things that uh, that kind of surprised a lot of people and, and I don't think people realised how much Chrissy Hind would play a part in that story. What's the reality of that? I mean how much oh, you know,
1: Craig, Craig Chrissy lives near me and I said I went to see this thing, I didn't realise You and Steve were so close. I knew you were mates. She she said, Get off it. I only shagged him once. (laughs) (laughs) Chrissy said. Yeah. I said, It's sort of a movie. And she went, Well, there you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I knew she was around and in England and, 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 you know, was around the store and everything. But I just, like, was she that much involved? And it just, I I was kind of surprised to see that.
1: she, She was around. I've actually got in my scrapbook somewhere. You know, when you go into those old fashion fashion photo booth machines and it was like <laughs> right. four pictures for a dollar or four pictures of a pound
0: yeah
1: I, we did two strips and there's me and Chrissy and I've got one strip and she's got the other strip she said from like 1975 or something she was around yeah. In fact, I remember being in this pub down the King's Road at lunchtime and we were just sitting there having a quiet drink she had been writing the NME at the time and she was very excited that she was going to go and interviewed david cassidy right <laughs> and he was sitting in the pub and this guy walks in and chrissy started going bop, 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 bop. so i joined in and we're singing bits and pieces bits. <laughs> mike smith from the dave clark five had walked in and he thought we was taking the mickey out of him no, we weren't we both liked <laughs> we left he looked and left but i said to chrissy when he'd gone i said how do you know the dave clark five is? she said you're kidding me they was bigger than the Beatles at one stage in in Akron,
0: Ohio. Well, I think I also wanted to ask you about, you know, and I mentioned, you know, briefly the uh, Vivian Westwood died in in December. Tell me about her. I mean, I know you worked for her and you knew you've known her for a long time. Tell me a little bit more well, about I what she was a, like. I knew
1: her a little bit for a long time, but I hadn't I hadn't seen her face to face until Malcolm McLaren's funeral, which mm. was eight, nine, six, or 7, I don't know how long ago it was now and I was waiting outside for it all to start and a cab turned up and Vivian was there and she got out the cab and she went, oh, Glenn's here, that's nice, you know. And we kind of, sort of sent a few messages for her sons about something or other, but I hadn't really been in touch with her for a long while, but I liked Vivian. She was, you know, very kind of stood her ground, forthright, clever, intelligent woman. Any success she'd had would have been totally on her own terms, which is, very hard to do in this day and age I went to China I went to Shanghai maybe eight or nine years ago Mm -hmm. and um I got there and I got in like sort of six o'clock in the morning probably had a bit too much coffee to keep me awake and then finally got to the hotel then realized I was a bit wired from the caffeine thought i would go for a walk oh it's quite a smart hotel I had no idea what to expect from Shanghai and I got it because I thought, well, if I'm going for a walk, I don't want to get lost, I better find a landmark. I looked around and the hotel was right next to a Vivian Westwood flagship store. And, and that, <laughs> now, that's something, now considering when I worked for her, she used to say, right, you know, you know I'm not a meat eater, but if you're going to that chicken and chips place, you know, like Kentucky Fried Chicken over the road, will you keep the boxes? So, what do you want the boxes for? She, it's not the boxes, it's the bones. And what she would do would take the bones home boil them up and then sew them onto t-shirts and said things like rock and roll or perv or something like that <laughs> so that was my kind of dealings with her back then and the next thing I'm in Shanghai and there's a flagship store it's kind of it's quite an achievement really yeah and when I, I, I'm fortunate and should have been but I was honored to be invited to a memorial service at Southwark Cathedral earlier on in the year and it was just a who's who of the music and the fashion world and and, in fact, talking about Chrissy High, and she sang a song. And she was big friends with with, yeah. with um, Vivian. And she sang Rain In My Heart by Buddy Wally. And she got choked up halfway through. Hmm. It was quite touching, you know.
0: Sounds like that that store, by all accounts, was kind of like a sponge of, of people. I don't know if mean, it was actually buying stuff out of that store, but it certainly seemed to be a place where people were were yeah, hanging it out Scene
1: hanging scene. It was an epicenter of cool, you know, yeah. I was afraid. Yeah, it was an happy centre of Nearly anybody and everybody passed through its doors at some stage. Went on to do something of some kind of consequence. You know, and you can't say that about many haberdashers. No, you can't. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's what that's what um, Jerry Nolan from New York Dolls. You know, because Malcolm got involved with with many ways. Like it didn't quite work out when he managed him, but Jerry <laughs> you know, describe him as that old haberdasher. <laughs>
0: Speaking of 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 Malcolm, the last time we talked you you, you mentioned about you know, we, we talked a little bit of, about him, and, and in the end of the, the, the Danny Boyle series, I mean they certainly had a they depicted him in a certain way that made him seem either he was intentionally trying to create just this chaotic mess, or he really did know what he was doing. What do you think that was really in his head and, and driving it? they
1: both really, and I think in the Danny Boyle film, I think the guy who plays Malcolm, apart from the fact he sort of looks a bit too young, maybe not as far as Malcolm was, but in relation to the other characters, but I thought he had Malcolm spot on from Yeah, my memory. You know, the whole scene in the court, I wasn't in the court that day, but, you know, just the way he spoke and this kind of choice of over. Over embellished phrases and stuff, I thought it was pretty good. And the and the woman who played Vivian was good. She had her accent down. Like I looked her up actually, and then I thought, <laughs> I didn't realise. I found out she's been married to Elon Musk twice. That's interesting. I because she had that one, but <laughs> she had Vivian Westwood. Gravian Weston's accent down just right.
0: You're going to be doing some, uh, some solo shows you know, to promote the, uh, the record, uh, you know, Consequences Coming uh, with Stiff Little Fingers. I think Peter Hook is involved in a couple of those shows. And then it's my understanding that you'll be touring again with Blondie? Yeah,
1: and, and, and through June, um, we've got like eight or nine or ten um, festivals in the U.K., we're doing glastonbury and we're doing this big thing called dog day afternoon with iggy's on the bill and stephen paul got a bang with billy idol called um generation sex and they're playing but they're below <laughs> us on the bill so, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got that and it's some more blondie stuff odd things later on in the year but hopefully i'm going to be back in the states in the fall with the lineup of mine you know i've been getting good feedback from the the album and you know the record these days although it kind of stands up by itself if people like it but it's also a calling card you know and i, I did a one-off show in at the roxy in l.a at, at the tail end of the blondie dates that i've just done and Clem yeah. played drums ilby clark play and then even fred Armisen got up with a stern backing records so that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah.
0: it's funny how Fred seems to work his way into every possible show in Los Angeles. He's, yeah, he plays with everybody now.
1: I'd never met him before, and he's a cool guy. You yeah.
0: know, like, the, uh, the record is great. And like I said, Head on a Stick is like one of those songs that uh, when I first heard it, I was like, i got to play that again. I've been playing it a lot in like the last couple of days. Like, It's just such a, such a great song and, and in, a, in a career in which you've written a bunch of great songs. I think that one really holds up. You should be real proud of that one.
1: I am, I am. I think there's a few in the album. I'm quite, you know, I like Consequences Coming and All. It's not as quite as tough as, um, as uh, Ed on a Stick, but um, you know, he goes through phases. I'm not being big-headed. I think I always write an all-right song, but occasionally you come out with a, a, a better than an all-right one. I don't think that's, that's one of them.
0: Glenn, it's great to talk to you again. I wish you best of luck with everything you're doing. Good luck on the road with, uh, with Blondie and and, and your tour and with the record great to talk to you
1: yeah all right mate all, all right there you go Thank-
0: the name of the new album from glenn matlock is called consequences coming and be sure to check out the first single head in a stick thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed it feel free to like it share it tell all your friends about it you can follow me on instagram twitter and facebook you can email me too at bax at rock 102.com i'd love to hear what you think thanks again for listening to Baxy's musical podcast